Well, good morning. I just think it's such a wonderful way in which our pastors have led us in the beginning of this year, starting out with fasting. That's no one's preference. It wasn't mine. You know, food isn't that important until you don't have it. <laughs> and then having us work on areas of strongholds. I hope you're following through with your booklets and praying those scriptures God gave you uh, because we really want to see God take us forward. Amen? So today we're going to talk about one arena of stronghold that will apply to everybody in this room. I'm not me. I don't have strongholds. Okay. Then I want to ask you to do this. Lord, I don't think it's an area but if you will show me, I'm willing to be open to you. Would you do that? I didn't hear you. Would you do that? Yes. Okay, just take a moment to tell the Lord you're willing for him to show you if there is an area. So what we're going to talk about today is our need to forgive other people. I've already done that. Great. I'm sure you have. I don't doubt that. But I want to share some principles and some concepts with you that I bet you haven't heard of all this, and it's going to apply to you. And I want to give you a personal promise. You'll have to forgive somebody when I finish teaching today. I promise you that. You will. So let's get the scripture. Matthew. Chapter 6, verse 14 says, For if you forgive men, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Amen? Amen. What a great promise. But verse 15 says, but. You know, it's not real often the Bible says but. It's actually an attention getting, like there's more to it. There's something else here. Listen, but. If you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. My father pastored for 50 years before he passed away. The most godly man I've ever met is my own dad. And on his deathbed, as we were talking about some things he wanted to leave me with, he says 99% of the people that just don't move on with God. Just seem like they're dealing with the same issues time after time. 99, it bows to the three basics, unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment. That's a man that has been in ministry longer than probably any of us. Forgiveness. I have a definition that I've written there's little copies of it back on that table if you're interested in following along with it or you want to pick one up. It's a little bit of a long one, um, but uh, that's what's available. But before we get into the definition, I want to share with you five things that forgiveness is not before we talk about, well, what is forgiveness? Number one, forgiveness is not a feeling. It's pretty simple. But we need to make sure we're understanding there's not going to be this warm, loving, 
<laughs> oh, that's okay type of a feeling that's going to come. You will not have that. In fact, your feelings can be your enemy. Do you know that your feelings can be your enemy? They will take you in a journey that that's not where you want to go. You will have to choose against your feelings to walk in biblical principles many times. It's not a feeling. Don't expect it. Don't hope for it. It's not going to come. Secondly, forgiveness is not pretending nothing happened or you weren't hurt. This is, this is probably true with kind of men. Yeah, my dad, he's kind of hard on me, but ah, it didn't bother me none. You can do that, but that's like an ostrich sticking their head in the sand because they think if they don't see the predator, they're not going to get him. But can I just be a little blunt and say, but their butt's still sticking up in the air? They're going to get bit? Sticking your head in the sand doesn't resolve anything. So saying, oh, there was no problem, doesn't resolve it. It only makes it worse. Number three, forgiveness is not saying the people that hurt you weren't wrong. Well, I understand why they did that. Great. It's, it's helpful. It, it can be significant. But understanding doesn't resolve anything. Three weeks from tomorrow, I'm going to have a hip replacement surgery. I have seen the x-rays. They showed me the arthritis. They showed me why and how they're going to put this rod up. There's some things I looked at I didn't really want to see because they're going to do that in my body. I have more knowledge about hip replacement than I ever wanted to know. But that knowledge has not helped my hip one bit. I understand it, but it didn't resolve it. By the way, dear friend of ours, Jeff Waldrop, is having his hip replacement tomorrow. Would you pray for him? He's suffered for two years. Let's just believe God for a great outcome for Jeff. Number four, forgiveness is not necessarily being able to trust that person again. I want to separate those two issues. Forgiveness, absolutely. There's, there's no exception. But trust is dependent upon that person. Let me give you a definition of trust. Trust is a result of appreciation for someone's character. If you don't appreciate their character, you would be foolish to trust them. In a little while, we're going to talk about some people we need to forgive. One of my challenges is some political people. I don't trust them. I'm not going to trust them tomorrow or next week or next month. But I am responsible to forgive. I'm in a, involved in a ministry called Divorce Care. There's six million people that have gone through it in five different languages. And the number one thing that has come back to me time again from people that have gone through the tragedy and the pain and the issues of divorce is they feel like it's so wonderful that they can forgive and realize they're not really yet ready to trust that person again. You can and you need to. In fact, you must forgive, but there is no requirement to trust. You know, the only person God commands you to trust is him? Does God trust you completely? Can I give you that very 
blunt answer? No way. <laughs> He'd be foolish. <laughs> he didn't trust me completely. So if God doesn't, why would we need to, to walk in his principles? Number five. Forgiveness does not alleviate anyone from their responsibility. Well, yeah, but they hurt me so bad, and I've been carrying this around for years, and man, if I forgive, they got to what? No, you don't. They don't get to walk away free. See, what happens when forgiveness, you are transferring the responsibility to God. They will answer to God. But when you are requiring them to answer to you, that's a form of unforgiveness. They will answer, but not to you. All right, let me give you the definition. It's a long one. I'll read it real quickly once, and then we'll go through and break it down. Forgiveness is a decision I make to obey God and to walk as a lifestyle in a higher realm by not allowing someone else's actions or attitudes to dictate my actions or attitudes, releasing them to God while not requiring them to be accountable to me to make it right, with a willingness to move in the opposite spirit, making sure I am willing for God to use me as an unrestricted channel of his love for that person. My friends, that's 40 years of work. And I, and I, I don't, I mean, that's, I'm serious about that. I have spent 40 years researching, ministering to thousands of people. What is it that works? And this is the definition that I have seen set literally thousands of people free when they walk in this principle. Now, forgiveness is not an act nor an event. It's not something you do and say, well, got it in. No. It's an attitude choice, and that attitude must be maintained. So you can forgive somebody and then ignore them. I'm sorry, that's not total forgiveness. You can forgive and say, I just won't talk to them. I'll just, you know, as long as they're not around, I won't have to think about it. It's incomplete forgiveness. We've had a family member that hasn't really liked me that much and uh, called Joyce years ago and told me how bad I was and what a poor excuse for a person and wasn't even sure I was a Christian. And the issue was that I would still continue to travel and minister even though my son had some pretty significant health issues and because my son had begged me, please, Dad, don't stop. So, so I continued. And, well, he, he called my wife. and Didn't call me, called her. Well, Joyce then called me and told me what he said, and I got so mad. Hung up the phone, and I'm driving down Beltline, and I'm shaking my steering wheel. I, I'm sure none of you have ever done this. Uh, this is just confession. But I'm shaking. I'm yelling at him. He's 1,500 miles away. He could probably hear me. What in the world can you do? And the, and the Lord speaks to me. He says, what are you doing? See, I found out that forgiveness is like an onion. There's layers to it. 
And I found a new layer that I didn't know was there. And I want to lovingly challenge you today. Some of you have walked in forgiveness, but there's some more layers that you need to go through. I had to go to a deeper level with this gentleman. All right, well, let's look at this definition. Forgiveness is a decision. A what? Decision. How many of you can make a decision? You just did. Some of you decided to raise your hand and some, well, he's only going to be here another half an hour, so why, why start now? <laughs> See, you cannot say, I can't forgive. What you're really saying is, I won't forgive. Because it's a choice. Now, is it hard? Oh, yeah. Don't feel like it? I understand. Your feelings aren't cooperating? You bet. But it's a choice. Therefore, if you choose not to forgive, whatever reason you think you're justified, what you're saying is what that person did to you is more important to you than your walk with God. Because you're not going to walk on with God, according to the scripture we just read, until we walk through this. When you hear this teaching, you're going to be responsible to walk in it. Forgiveness is a decision I make. Who does it? Who can do it for you? I would if I could. Because I know the benefit. I know the radical, life-changing uh, benefits from walking in forgiveness. But I can't do it. Even God doesn't do this for you. God says, you do it. So it's a decision I make. It's a decision I make to obey God. Forgiveness is not a suggestion. Forgiveness is not a recommendation. Forgiveness is a commandment. And if we do not walk in a commandment of God, my friends, that's called sin. And if there's anybody in the world that's ever lived or alive today, that could walk in any of these doors and you'd have the slightest thing against them, they're sitting in your life. The Bible says it like this in Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. The word regard there in Hebrew means I know it's there. I'm regarding, I'm aware of it. It's it's not something that's by surprise. If I regard it and don't do something about it, the Lord says, sorry, we're going to deal with that before we go on to the next arena. <clears throat> now, I want to get into an area that I think is probably the area where we as the church have neglected the most. By the way, it is my perspective, the number one reason why we do not have more of a move of God in the United States of America is unforgiveness in the church. I'm not talking about the heathen. I'm talking about us. No, the second reason is a lack of prayer, but even before that is unforgiveness. Now, it is not a doubt of mine that you have forgiven. 
but is it to the depths and the degree and the maintaining of attitude that God wants you to do? To walk, the next part says to walk as a lifestyle. It's not a one-time thing. It's not that you do it and you live happily ever after. Those are cartoons. Reality is that you forgive and you must continue to walk in that so that if something else were to happen, you can maintain that same perspective and attitude. One day, Peter, he came to Jesus. He said, Jesus, how many times must I forgive my brother? Seven times. Anybody know why he chose seven? Anybody know why? Well, traditionally in those days, before you could bring an issue to the elders at the city gate, that's where they held the courts. If they did that in Oregon, we wouldn't have court all winter because <laughs> they can't do it in the rain. It's a little funny. You can laugh anytime. <laughs> but in those days, they held the, the, the courts at the city gates. And you had to try on three separate occasions to work this out before you could bring the elder to the issue of the elder city gate. So Peter said, I am going to impress Jesus. I'm going to double it. And I'm going to add one more just to make sure that Jesus will know how holy and spiritual I am. Seven times? Well, who got blown away? It wasn't Jesus. No, Peter. Seventy times seven. Now, hang on to your seat, because I'm going to give you just a little bit of a Greek lesson. In the Greek, that's one day. In other words, 490 times in one 24-hour period. One day. Could someone really do something 490 times in a day? Well, if you count, that's unforgiveness. <laughs> Gotcha. See, the issue is it's limitless. Let's just make it realistic. See, there's 24 hours in a day. We sleep about eight. You don't have to forgive while you're sleeping. It's when you're awake that you have the problem. <laughs> so we're awake about 16 hours times 60, which is 960 minutes. Look at those two numbers. God asks you to forgive the same person for the same thing every two minutes the rest of your life. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a lifestyle. So, you have to forgive your husband for leaving his left sock on the floor. Another four nine time, leaving his right sock on the floor. And yet, well, you got the point. It never comes to the point we can say, aha, you just went over the max. By the way, Aren't you glad that God lives by these principles? Anybody ever commit the same sin in one day? More than once? More than twice? Well, we'll stop there. Oh, thank you, God. But for us to live in victory, he's asking us to walk in forgiveness, I think, in a new level. Now, in forgiveness, 
there's two things that you're required to do, and then God will do his two. But you have to do yours first, and then he will do his. Here's your, here's your responsibility. Someone does something offensive. Forgive. And that's right. But you have to move to the second step. If you don't, this is where I think we've missed it. We've forgiven. We've enunciated. We've even said it. But we have to go to the second step, and that is to bless them. You cannot bless them and hope something bad happens to them. You can't. Anybody ever get frustrated with drivers? If you're not raising your hand, we're going to have a class for you tonight. It's called honesty because you're not being honest. We've all been frustrated with drivers, right? So what do you do when some driver less wise than you or less careful does something stupid or cuts you off? Or What do you do? Anybody like to have your horn honk like 10 times louder <laughs> every once in a while? Just blow them off the road. Forgive them. And then bless them. Now, I've been doing this for quite a while. And I tell you what, it works because God begins to give me a heart for that person. Just yesterday, this pickup came. Wasn't in, me, wasn't in front of me, but cut this guy. I bet you didn't miss his bumper by more than a foot. Went over three lanes of traffic to take an exit. Came up and then ran a red light to turn right. I think, wow. So I began to pray for him. I can't tell you what a burden God gave me for this poor hurting man. He was struggling. That's why he did that. My friends, when you forgive and then you bless You'll get God's results. And the first one is the frustration leaves. Don't tell me I'm wrong until you try this. When you forgive and you bless, it just isn't all that bad. And then the second thing that happens, people drive better around you. Well, actually, it's not true, but you just don't notice it. See, I have this little statement I say, without a buildup, you want to have a blow-up. Anybody ever have a blow-up of anger? Well, that's usually because something happens, then something else happens, then something else happens, then something else, and there's this buildup, and all of a sudden, we let her all go. Ba-woomba! And anybody within, you know... But if you deal with each thing at a time, you won't have a buildup. So something happens, you forgive. There's nothing to build on. Some another driver does something, you forgive. Another one. I love that noise. And it's a miracle that it really sets your heart. Anybody ever choose the wrong checkout line at grocery store, at Walmart, or to, anybody? Any, anybody ever choose the 
express line and count items and the person of the bag or the cart in front of you. It says nine or less. They got 14. Anybody do that besides me? What do you do? Well, inform them of their error, right? That really helps. You forgive. By the way, if you're standing in Walmart and you forgive, it's not necessary to tell that lady you forgive her. Not a good idea. Not wisdom. It's in your heart. Forgiveness is between you and God. You forgive and then you bless. Two things will happen. Frustration leaves and the line moves more quickly. Don't tell me I'm wrong until you do it for a month. These things work, but you have to do them. I was playing golf in Los Angeles, and I'm not the world's greatest golfer when, when I could still play, but I did okay. But these two guys ahead of me, I don't know where they learned to play golf. Who their teacher was, I think it was the devil. This is what they did to get ready to hit the ball. Hit the ball! <laughs> and the ball will go 10 yards. And they'd run the 10 yards and start all over again, do the same thing. And there was two of them, and they both had the same teacher. I had 10 shots to their one. That means I had to wait for 20 of these. And I am irritated. I'm staying right in the middle of the fairway. I'm not even if you understand with golf, but if you're holding someone up, you let them go ahead of you. Well, there was no one ahead of them for a year. <laughs> and I was irritated. I just finished speaking a class with this topic, and I was waiting for my airplane to leave, and I'm standing there talking to my golf clubs, I guess. It's good to have no manners. And the Lord speaks to me. He says, are you going to practice what you preach? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, I forgive you. And I began to pray for those guys. I cannot tell you what happened. God gave me things to pray for them. I think these guys are in the kingdom today by how God had me pray. And I got up close to them. Oh, we're so sorry we didn't see you. Please go ahead of us. Here, you want a Coke? You want a sandwich? You want a... If I hadn't forgiven them, I'd still be behind them. The longest golf game in history. <laughs> Years. <laughs> see, what I'm trying to say is God's principles work in everyday practical things. They work. They'll work for you. Now the concept of the definition, the next phrase says, in a higher realm. See, when we stay on the arena, well, you said, well, you did, well, you did. We'll stay there. But to walk in God, we come to a higher place. The opposite of forgiveness is unforgiveness. And unforgiveness has a couple of cousins, helpers, assistants. The first one is resentment. Now resentment means 
Something happens to you, and you send something back to them. You don't talk to me? Hmm. See if I talk to you. Anybody ever uh, be walking down a, in a grocery store and start down this aisle and you see somebody you don't really want to see and you quickly go down another aisle? Anybody besides me? That's resentment. Ignoring someone is resentment. Well, I just don't talk to them because they irritate me. Okay, that's where God wants you to go and walk through good, complete forgiveness. When Joyce was pregnant with Janelle, we were working on a name for the baby. Back in the day where our kids were born, you, you couldn't find out what the sex of the baby was until birth. They didn't have the technology then. You know, so when the baby was a surprise. And so you usually had to pick both a girl's and a boy's name to be prepared, you know, for this baby. So this particular day, we were working on a girl's name. And what do you think about? What do you think about? What do you think about? And she said, what do you think about Elizabeth Ellen? And I came unglued. What? How could you name a little girl that? And Joy said, what is wrong with you? And I thought, what is wrong with me? Why did I react to Oh. Oh, I remember when I was in the sixth grade. That was just a little while ago. There was a girl named, guess what? Elizabeth Allen. You know what? I didn't like her. You know what else? She didn't like me. But every time I heard that name, you have names you hear? You just hear a name? It's resentment. You don't like the name because it's attached to a person that you're not particularly thrilled with. Now, I'm not saying you have to be their best friend or name your child that. But we do need to be aware that God will show what's going on in our hearts by little things like, I don't like that name, resentment. Really bad English that makes a great example. And you meant to do it. Resentment. The next cousin is bitterness. And the deepest level of this is bitterness. See, bitter roots kill anything but bitter roots. A bitter person cannot be blessed. Because when blessings come, there's the bitter root choking out the blessing. Do you know a bitter person? You go to visit them. Why don't you call first? Next time you call. You don't have to call and come anytime. You know what I mean? If it's sunny, oh, that stupid sun is so bright. It's not, where's the sun? The sun never shines. Take them to a restaurant. Why'd you choose this restaurant? Let them choose the restaurant. What are you sitting here for? Let them choose where to sit. Why'd you order that? What I'm saying is, a bitter person cannot be blessed because we're trying to do more and more nice things for them, but we're just dealing with the fruit and not the root. The root is they have to deal with bitterness before they can get free. See, bitterness will rob you, will rob you of blessing. Now, the scripture 
for freedom from this is found in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And verse 13, it says, God will make you the head and not the tail. You'll be on top and not on the bottom. How do you do that? By walking in forgiveness. This person I've been mentioning to you, my wife had given me a box to drop off uh, at this family's home. And, and uh, so I had flown to the city and got a car and I was going to where I was speaking and I went by their house to drop off this box. And uh, they knew I was coming and I had the box in my briefcase and set it down and gave the box. And happened to glance down the dining room table and there was, there was predators from Christian organizations requesting donations. And there are several of them. I glanced. He saw me look at them. So he, he picked up the first one. You know, I heard about these guys. And he just starts yelling about these organizations that were requesting donations because his, his issue was money. Well, he had to do six of them, and he went all through all six and told me how horrible they were. And then he began to attack an organization called Daystar Christian Ministries. See, I'm the founder and the director of that organization. And he began to accuse me of doing things I'd never even thought about doing, let alone be tempted. And in my briefcase, it was sitting at my feet. We had just been audited by a CPA firm, and I had written proof to prove him wrong. I got him now. <laughs> the Lord says, don't say a word. It's a trap. Thank you. And I had proof. I had written proof. Forgiveness is having the perfect thing to say. You don't have to say it. You don't have to say it. So he said, so what are you going to say for yourself? I said, well, I sure do want my heart to be right before God. All right, let's put up our little man. Mike, a little cute man here. Isn't he cute? So handsome. Now we're going to say right behind him, that little black thing that's going up like this, that's a rope. And we're going to say it's tied around his neck. And behind him, there's someone that has the rope in their hand. If the person behind yanks on the rope, what's going to happen to this guy? He's going to have some kind of reaction. If the guy gets a jerk, that guy will become a jerk. <laughs> and the truth is that when we have little issues that irritate us. How many of you have pet peeves? All someone has to do is do the pet peevey thingy and they gotcha. Forgiveness is taking the rope off your neck. <laughs> One of my pet peeves most of my life is being pushed physically. You may think that's weird because I'm pretty big, but that's my basketball days. They taught you, don't be moved. So, man, I wouldn't. Now push, when someone would push me, ugh, it just would irritate me. Christmas shopping was not a good time for me. Or traveling by train in Asia. If you don't know what I mean, you haven't been to Asia. And I realized someone else was in charge. All they had to do was that little pet peeve thing and I succumb to their actions rather than living by the principles of God. 
Next part of the definition says exactly that, by not allowing someone else's actions or attitudes to dictate my actions or attitudes. That's real freedom. When we can choose to live by the principles of God, even when we don't feel like it. The next part says releasing them to God. I've been teaching this topic for about 45 years. And um, before COVID, I did it twice a month at, the, at least. And, and I've taught it many times. And this little statement, releasing them to God, I could tell you stories from now until midnight as fast as I could talk. It happens every class I teach. I'm just going to tell you one, but I want to remind you there's many. A girl was 28 years old when she was in this class I was teaching, left home when she was 18, 10 years prior. In her last 10 years, her father had not spoken one word to her in 10 years. Even though she went home to visit her mom twice a year, her dad, dad didn't even acknowledge her existence. He had abused her some emotionally and verbally as a child, and she hated him. I don't think that's an exaggeration. If she got a pimple on her face, it was her dad's fault. I mean, that's kind of the extent of her blaming her father. Well, I went to her. This girl's name is Kathy. I said, Kathy, would you forgive your dad? Well, that's like saying, would you fly to the moon? I mean, she, no way. Does, no, he doesn't, does, he, you know what he's done to me? Yeah, I know. So sorry. But don't let what he did prevent you from walking in what God wants to do for you. So after quite a while, she made a very difficult decision. And she forgave her dad. This was an evening meeting that got late and it became early. And she walked down to her dormitories about 1.30 in the morning. And she walked in, the phone was ringing in her dorm. Someone else answers, Kathy, it's for you. You know, getting a call at 1.30 in the morning is probably never going to be a good thing. But she went and answered, hello? Kathy, yeah, who is this? Kathy, this is your dad. I just want to say I'm how sorry I am for what I've done. What changed? Only one thing changed. She forgave. And when she forgave, she released God to work on them much more significantly than before. I could tell you how many people forgave and then led their parents to the Lord. Like I say, I could tell you stories for quite a long time. When you forgive, it works. The next part says, while not requiring them to be accountable to me to make it right. Let's put that building up, if you would, please. This one, yeah, there you go. Anybody know what this is? right. What'd you say? Supreme Court. Yeah, the Supreme Court of the United States. Now, I don't know anybody that works in that building. I've never met them. But I've had to forgive many times people that have worked in that building because they're wrong. Amen? They're wrong. I would not want to be a Supreme Court justice to stand before God when I voted to legalize abortion. Are you with me? 
They're wrong. We're not, that is not in doubt. But it will not resolve it by us being angry toward them. You have not been given an ability or a license to hold things against anyone for any reason, according to the Word of God. I forgive those justices that said it's okay to murder babies. I forgive them two years ago when they say it's okay to marry the same sex. They're wrong. But I forgive them. Are you with me? And I'm sure that everyone in the room have issues with Kate Brown or Nancy Pelosi or Joe Biden or Mr. Trump. Whatever the side of the fence you're on. We are responsible not to criticize, but to forgive. If you haven't forgiven the Supreme Court, don't go to bed tonight until you do. Remember, it's not an issue of right or wrong. See, somehow we think if I hold something against someone, I'm punishing them. You're not punishing them. You're punishing you. It's like you drinking poison and expecting them to drop dead. If you drink poison, you're the one that's going to die. Forgiveness is walking in God's principles, and then you'll get God's results. And the next part says, with a willingness to move in the opposite spirit. Anybody can be nice to nice people. Amen? That is not that difficult. But how about people that are just not nice? This gentleman I've been speaking about, he would not support us financially. I have raised our support for 45 years, and God has amazingly provided for us. But he would not support us financially, and he wanted to make sure that we knew he was not going to support us. He flaunted it. And would not let his wife buy us Christmas or birthday presents, but expected us to buy them presents. He even called and hint what he wanted. Don't be crazy. And if you'd send him a card, he'd open the card. He wouldn't read it. Just turn over in the back to see how much you paid for it. Huh? Three fifty. And he tossed it down. So I went to Hallmark. I bought this card. I'm not exaggerating. It was at least this big. Had three windows. Had a had a, a thing goes and then a perfume window and then played music. Three different windows you could open. It cost twenty eight dollars and fifty cents. And I took a red magic marker and I circled the price. And I drew big red arrows. And I wrote, look how much this cost. And I sent it to him. <laughs> it was resentment. Wasn't it? Why did I do it? It's because how you opened my cards. Did it do any good? He never even acknowledged he got the card. I just waged 35 bucks. Joyce comes to me one year, and she said, I want you to pray about something. I said, okay. But I think we're supposed to buy this family, the same family, 
a microwave oven for Christmas. I did not take that suggestion well. What, honey, 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 it's okay. If you don't think so, it's all right. I just want you to go pray. So I did. God, do you know what that woman said? God says, yeah, that was my idea. Oh. Oh. God, do you know how much microwaves cost? He said he did. Oh, yeah, I guess you uh. then I hear, Then I did the real dumb one. God, do you know how I get my money? Yeah, I'm your source. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So we did. Took us six months. Sacrifice. Brought it to them. He's kind of an anti-technology guy, so then you know, so I had, had to show him. So he was pretty excited, and he started taking things out of the refrigerator to put them in and see if they'd get hot. And then had me stick my finger. Ow! Yeah, mm, work. Ah, it's good. Ouch! The next year, he bought each of my children a new bicycle. Sent our ministry three different, sizable financial gifts. And nine months later, he called me weeping, begging my forgiveness. God's principles work. Now, could you close your eyes with me, please? I'm pretty confident that something struck your heart of something you need to do to forgive. Whether it be the Supreme Court or former somebody or someone in your life. Let the Lord keep that stirred in your heart. Don't just hear this message and walk out. Make a commitment that you're going to do something about it yet this week. This is a breakthrough area. I yearn for Christ Center to be known for two things. Oh my, do they love each other. And oh, how quickly they are to forgive. My friends, it'll change our church. It'll change our city. It'll change your family. It'll change our nation. Let it start with us. And finally, you can open your eyes. Finally, the last part says, making sure I'm willing for God to use me as an unrestricted channel of his love for that person. It's not your love, it's his love, but you would be willing for God to use you as a conduit, as a channel flowing to that person, and you would be the deliverer of the love of God. That's how you'll know how deeply you're walking in forgiveness. I honestly can say that after I prepared for this message, as I prayed for Kate Brown and Nancy Pelosi, etc., I yearned to be able to tell them, God loves you. Until we're there, God wants to take us deeper. Let's pray together. Father, I ask that this not be something we hear, but something we do.
that it becomes a lifestyle that we walk in practicing forgiveness toward drivers, toward other employees, or customers, or whomever as a regular basis. That we'd live this out, we'd walk it out, and it would help us to be free, I pray. Lord, bless these precious people. Give them a great week, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you, and may his face shine upon you and give you peace. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.